This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. There are no spoilers in this episode outside of the Six of Crows duology, but there are topics surrounding addiction, substance abuse, violence, and sex work. Everybody and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, the duology by Lee Bardugo. Two books that really, to me, and I think to Jessica too, are really just one book. Um, and if we consider them one book, they're definitely the better of what I've read so far. I mean, I'm just happy that this isn't Shadow and Bone Trilogy. That is absolutely true. You and I think everybody else that has ever read these books uh, have to agree. It is just, they are so much better, just leaps and bounds better than Shadow and Bone. It's just unbelievable. And even the characters, I feel, I mean, with the exception of the Darkling and Nikolai and Zoya, I basically like everybody but Mal and Alina is annoying. She's, you know, remember, I was I was thinking about the Akasif episode and how we were talking to Caven about every time you had this moment to do something, you didn't choose it. And that's what I just feel like Elena was doing. And so then when we're here in the duology, they keep saying Sancta Alina. I was like, fuck this. Well, and you bring up a fantastic point and it's good to get it out early. So when we're talking about the books, these books are obviously set in the Grishaverse. These are the Grishaverse books. Do you feel, Jessica Marie, that you must read Shadow and Bone before you read Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom? No. I mean, I understand. Hard no. Wow. Uh, Yeah, not even. I understand some of the, like, the little nuances, you know, when when Zoya comes into the picture, when you're finding some backstory about Nina, and then you hear initially, like, oh, Nina trained under Zoya. You just, I feel like... it's it's a nice little nod knowing the the connection and to the books like the previous trilogy but i i think you can get away with reading the duology you might not have that connection but and i and this is coming from somebody who preached all through throne of glass you need to read every single one even if you hate it um and the, and I and I said like there's they're written for a reason and I just felt you know maybe maybe it's the whole shadow and bone walked so six of crows duology could run because it's it's so crazy that yes the author created the Grisha verse uh, but they're like her quality of writing is just vastly different. Here's a question for you: Would you survive in Ketterdam? <laughs> Or would you just I'd be think, immediately killed? I would be immediately killed. The fact that even um, Kaz swam across that river using Jordy's body. Poor, poor Kaz. I wouldn't even have thought to do that. I'd be like, this is it. I'm dying here. That This is what we got. I'm on this island. 
that I'm sequestered to by myself and probably resort to cannibalism till I die too. Yeah, I think I would have been robbed immediately coming off the boat and then just like killed in an alley. So I, yeah, oh yeah, there was the they were talking about this alley. I think at one point, and all I could think of was Bruce Wayne and his parents. It's like this is it. This is it. But I can't believe that I would survive Rifthold before Ketterdam. Now I'm like Rifthold is a breeze. Yeah, for real. Um, I think before we go any any uh, deeper into the episode, we need to shout out Blissfully Bookish for our fantastic Six of Crows jerseys that both of us are wearing during recording. I mean, if you don't consider getting any of their jerseys during a pre-order, you're losing out. If we want to use that as a theme, so Ketterdam, Ketterdam. Uh, I picture Ketterdam as a, like a mashup of London and Amsterdam with like uh, Peaky Blinders-esque gangs running all around and like fog and... Like an old London in my head. Yeah, yeah. And like dirty and, and like kind of cramped and just not somewhere that I would really like to be. <laughs> Yeah, there's I mean, there's nothing there has been nothing appealing about this except when Shrumhold shows up with his flying ship. And I'd be thinking, no, get me on there. Get me on there to fly away from this place. So your emphatic no about not having to read Shadow and Bone um, reminds me that I disagree. I feel like you do have to read Shadow and Bone just because if you're going to read something like this, uh, that is. I don't, I, I don't know, like, ri- I, I guess, like, rich in material. Uh, you might as well, like, savor every, like, little inside joke and little little throwaway line. So, I mean, suffer through Shadow and Bone so that you can you can understand, like, wh- why people kind of go, like, eh, when she says, like, Sancta Alina and, and you know, when they <laughs> talk about, like, the Ravka's Civil War and, like, the Second Army and the Grisha, you're like, oh, yeah, no. I remember this and yeah, I, I like connections like that. So I would say read them. Well, and I think that Skim that them. description <laughs> of suffering through is perfect because that's what it was. It was a struggle. And this is coming from two people who are, we're pretty much speed readers more or less, you know, and it was a struggle to get through them. And every time you just, you know, maybe the first book isn't always going to be strong, but when you have a, tri- a, a trilogy, you expect there to be some pickup and growth because you don't get to the second and third, et cetera, without having, you know, that, that, that want for it. Um, I, I just, I, I agree. And I appreciate with what you're saying because, you do have to suffer through it. I think I just didn't like the book so much where I was like, no, if I if I never have to read them again, I won't. But I, I would reread Six of Pros and Crooked Kingdom. It makes there there is the appreciate, but there is the appreciation there because the world building is out of the way. You can groan. You know, the little like the little throwbacks that I did like. Cause I was like, I was so excited when Nikolai showed up and when Jenya showed up. I I liked those were the characters that I liked from the books anyway like thank uh, god he didn't bring mal back i would have I, I he's busy at the orphanage with alina doing whatever it is that they do uh, yeah well if let, let's let's really let, let's get into these two books because there, there's a lot to go through um i think the best way to start is to start with the way that was a long sentence um <laughs> 
that the book opens with the 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 Jodhpurim with the the Grisha, and I thought that was a really interesting way to open it. I remember the first time I read it, I was like, "The fuck is going on?" And the second time, this time is the second time that I read it, I was like, "Oh, okay, this is really interesting. I'm going to pay attention." And even like the first paragraph, the first paragraph, the first chapter, it introduces a character, but you don't hear about that character for a while. So you're just, even throughout the book, you're waiting, like, when, when is when is that person going to show up? Well, you're waiting. Well, he is also waiting. They're all yeah. waiting. They're all stuck there waiting because of what the drug can do. And I, I like um, that one of the themes of this book is, I, I would say, addiction in mm-hmm. in a kind of a in an obvious way and in a not so obvious way addiction um and the obvious way obviously he is the jodhpurim it's just it, it's really interesting and it's not something that you encounter a lot i feel like in books is like a drug like an actual literal drug that is addicting and it will kill you um but it will make you super powerful it's like what like grisha meth right it's like a moment of of power and you know typically with i'm not familiar with drug usage um or drug use um it's usually it's it's more than one time that people are seeking that high and this one is you're one and done you know and i mean what a boss nina is knowing this but knowing it's also the only way for her and her friends to survive and for them to get out of their situation in the first book and she still takes it knowing what what she's going to be walking into well nina nina is your favorite yes yeah oh hands down nina's everything about nina i love how how fun and like i love how she makes Mateus feel uncomfortable like I think all her little innuendos just because she knows she can she knows she's gonna be he's gonna be uncomfortable her love for sweet rolls and waffles and food like you know I'm not a tiny girl um and it just reminds me of like this is how I how I survive Germany this and Haribo gummies I just walk I just oh look there's more waffles and sweets and carbs and give give me Give me all of it. And that's her excitement for everything. I love it. And I love how people know that Nina is suffering and Nina is not herself when she doesn't have her appetite and when she loses weight and when she isn't enthusiastic about things. Uh, that is a noticeable change in her. And people were like, damn. Well, when she was able to, when she got had her appetite back for like after weeks, th- that was everybody's comment. They were like, we're just happy you're, you're, you're wanting food, you know? And she has this zest for life that I absolutely love. And one of my favorite lines, I can't remember, I think it was in Six of Crows, that uh, Inej and Mateus are going back and forth. Mateus, Matthias, I'll interchange those at, throughout this book. Um, that they're going back and forth of, you know, Nina is the strong character. She's this, she's that. And Inej is calling Matthias out on it saying, yeah, but you're staring at her the whole time. And Matthias is like, well, she's just too much. And Inej says, maybe you're just not enough. And I fucking love that. I love strong, empowered women calling men out on their shit because why? Because you're intimidated by strong women. Like that's, that's not on her. That's on you that you can't handle that. And I, I'm here for it. I have nothing to say. I was just like, bowing to Inej in that moment. Well, and women who know their worth. 
right? right? Which is you love Inej. She's your favorite. Inej. I absolutely love Inej. Inej knows her worth. She knows when to walk away. She knows to have broader goals. She knows that the dregs isn't what she wants in her life. She wants to go back to Ravka. She wants to find her family. She wants to get the boat. She wants to hunt the slavers. And God, you know, she'll do it. Um, Inej is wonderful. I love that she's an acrobat. I love that she, you know, uses knives and sneaks up on people and can walk the the high wire. Like that is one of my absolutely favorite scenes is when Inej is walking the 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 line above the um the like sugar sugar granary uh-huh. silos. Oh right, and they had like that whole story. They're like people are known to die doing this. Yeah, so she's she and you know there's the net. She's like I don't need a net, and then the the white assassin girl comes up and is fighting her like on the on the line. It's just amazing, and I love it. I can see it so clearly in my head. Would you ever do one of those um tra- you know like those trapeze classes with the the suit? Have you ever seen them? They'll have them like in Brooklyn or in like oh, throughout definitely. the city, like just a trapeze class. And it's supposed to be for beginners, like a one time class. You do it for an hour and you're. Yeah, I would absolutely do st- stuff like that. That That's is so cool. It's my fucking jam. Uh, I used to do stuff like that when I was a kid at like summer camps and stuff. They would have like, you know, strap you into the thing and spin. Yeah, I used to. Like that. <laughs> um, you were talking about your favorite quote um, from Inej. My favorite quote from Inej is. And I had it embroidered on a T-shirt. The heart is an arrow. It demands aim to strike true. It's just so beautiful. Uh, I love that people shit on, I mean, people, her crew, not us, not the fans. Oh, okay. Her crew. Uh, Like, shits on an edge for having, like, her, like, Suli proverbs. And, you know, she's an old, like, cautious, wise woman. And and as she even says, like, you know, but... There has to be something to uh, being cautious because old women live to be old. It's like, well, uh, you're not yeah, wrong. Fair, okay, yeah, yeah fair. <laughs> but somebody also has to be like, look at the yeah. crew that they're, she's she's like. I have to keep somebody in check because otherwise we'd all die. Would have been dead already. Well, exactly, and you can't talk about Inej without talking about Kaz. So, Jess, <sighs> you went into these this duology utterly blind. Like you didn't know it was a heist. No, and it was actually really refreshing. I mean, you are obviously shadowing groans, and then. You just said you just have to get to Six of Crows. You'll be fine after that. Um, obviously, Book Talk was talking about it. Then we know Shadow. Then we were hearing that Shadow and Bone was kind of, and the Six of Crows duology was kind of being meshed together with the Shadow and Bones Netflix show. So I was like, okay, that, that's all I know. And I think I've been so. I don't want to say program, but used to people discussing, especially on book talk, or maybe that's just where my algorithm is, of romance intertwined with the plot that I think I was expecting more of that. So then once I realized it was a heist and romance is not even secondary or tertiary, you know, it's just kind of maybe it's there, maybe it's dabbed upon, but it's not a focus, which is what I really appreciated. I really got into it because it just reminded me of all the Ocean's Eleven movies and every all the inner workings. And it's such a bigger picture because it's it's the first, but you know, you have Six of Crows, which is the heist. It was done successfully. And then obviously 
they didn't get their money and then they have to do a new heist all over again to, to I don't want to say trickery, but there's a revenge factor. Like they, they are owed something after literally putting their lives on the line throughout the entire book. And now they have to do it all over again. There was just such a respect and you have to remind yourself that they're 17. They're like 16, oh my God, 17. 17. I, think, I think Mateus is the only one who's 18. But that's it, you know, and they're all they're running around Ketterdam and everywhere else to serve the ice court murdering people, murdering people. I just and maybe this just goes with our discussion, you know, our future discussions with morally great characters. It's validated. Like, I like I, I understand the reasoning behind it. I'm not thinking, oh, my gosh, or that they're in survivor mode the entire time. Well, Kaz, let's let's talk about Kaz. Let's just talk about Kaz. I love Kaz. Uh, however, I find it just endlessly amusing that the internet simps for Kaz, who is basically a 17-year-old virgin who can never be touched, oh. uh, who's who's like this big crime lord, but has to like wear gloves. Like he's he's just ah. Uh, but when I uh, tell you, so. Yes. Yes to all that. But I, I listen, I listened to the book as you did, Laura. Yeah. Um, so I forget what I was doing. I was doing something in my room and at the end of Crooked Kingdom where he meets up with Inej and then she said she notices his hands weren't covered. My head whipped around. Like I looked immediately at the Bluetooth speaker. I go, what is going on? And I just started screaming. I go, he doesn't have his gloves. It was such a stupid thing, but that's been such a huge focus. The entire book. And then, you know, of course, then you find out that he has the bone and, he, and it's named the Wraith, I, you know, that, I, he, I like, uh, you know, I, and then the, and then the family, the I just, family, oh, oh, the family, no, the, the moment where he looks at Inez, she goes, wait, is my tie straight? I was like, oh, like, oh, like this is, it's, you know, like you were saying, you're like the whole internet is something for this untouchable virgin. And then you just, you just feel like you're touchable now. <laughs> But, but like slight, you know, like slight, uh, baby steps, baby Baby, steps. I will have you, Kaz Brecker, uh, without, you know, no armor. It's like, oof. But I love you brought that up last weekend. Um, when we were talking about that, where she, like, just a Nej knowing her worth to Kaz because she's like, I'm either going to have, I'm going to have all of you or none of you. I'm not going to go for this, this back and forth between. And I think that's also, again, really important to know, especially in this hookup culture of, you know, if you want to hook up, if you want to do whatever, like that's fine. But if you're looking for more substance out of a relationship, no, like at the end of the day, know your worth, you know, and know when to walk away. And I think that's, that's something that she has a, a firm handle on. Oh, definitely. But, you know, Kaz, Kaz shows affection in the strangest ways. You know, he gouges out eyeballs and murders people and, you know, won't let anybody touch her and carries her bloody through the to the boat. And, ah, God. See, but if somebody, I say, oh, my gosh, I wish somebody would murder for me. But then if somebody showed up on my doorstep, like, I murdered this guy for you. He was like, 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 oh, this is, I don't, I don't know how we feel about that. Context, though. (laughs) You know, context. Are you a 17 year old, you know, acrobat in a gang whose life is constantly in danger? Oh, my God. Just okay. So we haven't even. And how about the she's a 17 year old 
in a pleasure house. Yeah, brothel. Yeah. You know, the thing, Literary Libra brought this up, uh, and she she did a really good job of it. The way that these books are are written with the the pleasure houses and the sweet shops and the jails and, and, you know, everything that happens with the Grisha and the ice court and everything, you kind of don't process the fact that, like, there's a genocide going on. You know, and you don't really process the fact that like those are prostitutes and that these are all casinos and like everybody's being, you know, like, I don't I don't know. It's a good thing. And it's also like kind of a like mm, thing. Well, the mm, part of it, I know we've discussed this of is it, it it's a different world. It's a different world. It's different societal expectations. So are we judging based on the world we know i'm not judging so much as just judging um, but no, I I, i'm talking more word. about the the language used by the author is oh. is used intentionally to kind of fudge the the like actual reality of what's going on in these places because it is skewed ya oh yes that, okay that was my point okay Kind of like to, I don't want to say minimize, but soften the blow, mm-hmm. if you will. Right. Yeah. Because like the okay. whole thing with D- Nina and Matthias, like he's murdering her people. Yeah. He's hunting down her people, torturing them and murdering them. And then now his his people are imprisoning them and giving them drugs and forcing them to like do stuff. You know, that's not a great thing. Uh, it's pretty fucking awful, but. The way that it's presented to us is in the context of like a heist, you know, so mm-hmm. you kind of have to like go down a layer to really look at what's happening beyond what our like main characters are going through. Okay. Yeah. Because you were talking earlier about themes and like there, there's a few themes in here, like addiction. Obviously, we haven't even talked about Jesper, but like addiction is a big one. There's the found family. There's freedom. Uh, there's, you know, there's, there's a few, there's a few other ones that I have written down, but I will probably circle back to those. Those are the big ones that I kind of focused on and also the revenge, like, oh my God. Uh, and then the childhood trauma and the PTSD, like there's so much going on. Yeah. All, all of these characters are so fantastically broken in their own ways. Uh, it, it is really wonderful to see, um, it's also interesting, like, if we talk about the found family trope for a minute, it's that alone, and each one of them brings their different traumas to their found family. There isn't, there also isn't a codependency. Like, there, yes, there's teamwork. Yes, like, we have to go back. We have to save this person. There's this unity. But then at the end, they all kind of go off and do their own thing. That's true. Although in Kaz's um, POV, he does say that he has he feels uncomfortable that he has come to rely on Inej and that he also, Oh, Oh, that was the other uh, theme. Uh, shame. The uh, shame is a big theme in this, in, in these two books. Yeah. And I'm thinking like of when we're in the, one of the chapters for Jesper's P, I think it was Jesper or Wylan. I think it was Jesper where Kaz like snaps and he calls one of them Jordy and everyone was like, who the fuck is Jordy? That was with Jesper. It yeah, was, that was Jesper. before they fight. Yeah. And everybody was, uh, 
like they're just looking at each other, but then even Jesper's like, I recognize something in his eyes, but that it was so fleeting, but that's still the shame that Kaz carries with him. And I mean, and I think you see it obviously with whole, with like Pekka Rollins is the perfect example of revenge is a dish best served cold because that sits with you forever. And here Pekka is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he goes, exactly. Like this, this is just so menial to you, but this has been my entire life. Like my, my entire life was destroyed because of you. Well, and Kaz gets the last word because in the end of Love Crooked it. King, in the end of Crooked Kingdom, he, uh, Pekka like can't leave the house. Like he's terrified for his son. And then like Inej comes and like makes her threats and then, you know, has the crow in the, in the baby's crib. But, uh, you know, they, they really, they beat Pekka and, Kaz even says, you know, I could kill Pekka's son once, but Pekka can kill his son a million times in his, in head. his head. Yeah. And mental torment, that psychological torment lives with you more than a physical torment for forever. So you would say that Kaz is morally gray? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would say so, too. I'm trying to think of the words from our morally great characters. I was like, wait, he's not an antihero. And we'll have to go back and refresh. So we have an episode about morally about villains. If you want to refer to that, we clearly still need to refer to our own episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go back and refresh before we talk about morally great characters. But I'm pretty sure that, you know, Kaz falls in, in there. He's pretty morally gray. Matthias, you know, isn't morally gray. Matthias would be something else if, you know, if you're... Yeah, he, Matthias isn't morally gray. No, I'm just trying to think of, like, the opposite of Kaz. And that would... Oh. The first person would be Kid Matthias. Um, I mean, is there a full-on opposite of Kaz? Mm, I don't know. Nina? Nina? Mm, I know that she's not the... Uh, Inej? Inej is kind of like his compass in a way. In a way, I don't know. That would be a good question. Uh, it's an interesting little found family. We haven't even touched on Wyland. So Jesper, we were talking about addiction as being one of the themes. Jesper, secret Grisha. The thing that I really love about Jesper is that he isn't, we learn that his whole backstory with his mother and like he's been told to keep his Grisha power hidden and you know Kaz knows because Kaz knows everything and he was really important in the heist because uh, he's a fabricator but Jesper has never been sick he's a really good sharpshooter you know he unconsciously subconsciously whatever like uses his powers right like that's that's why but uh, I think Inej you know our our wise one here says like, you know, if Grisha don't use their power, they become sick. And Jesper's like, but I'm never sick. It's like, yeah, but you know, there are other kinds of sick and Jesper is obviously addicted to gambling. So I, I just thought that was really, uh, a, a, I guess, poignant thing to say. And just to be in the middle of this like heist book. Like sicknesses aren't always physical ailments. Right. Yeah. Just like in the middle of this like really dark fantasy heist book. It's like, oh, all of a sudden it's just like dropping some knowledge. It was just like, wow. And also that there there is a self-awareness for his character because mm-hmm. you do know that there are people who go through addiction and they're at like whatever point in their addiction where there there's that denial phase. And he and now, you know, there is that recognition. He doesn't know how to get out of it. And even Kaz knows when I think at the beginning of Cricket 
Crooked Kingdom, where they're all playing their part in the casino. And Kaz and, and Jesper's like, do you know I have an addiction, right? Like, I don't know how to walk away. And Kaz is like, you're going to have to for this one. Yeah, or or like when Kaz knew that Jesper would bet his guns to stay in the game because, you know, like it's, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that it, it gets talked about eventually, but... Oh, and, and Jesper, Jesper's whole relationship with his dad is just like, oh my God, Colm. Oh, we love Colm. What a sweet man. I like one of the flashbacks when he's talking about his mom and how his mom was a healer because she was a Grisha and then she died. And then his, his dad, he asks his dad, he's like, was mom a witch? And she's like, she was our queen. I was like, oh, <laughs> we love, right? We love, uh, God. It's so good. Um, okay. So first book, obviously, heist book, Ice Court, Fjorda, all of it. Uh, very, very good. Very good. We love we love heists. I remember when I was reading this, I was like, you know, I understand now that it's a heist. We got to get the crew together. Uh, I wonder <laughs> what it's going to be like reading about a heist. But mm-hmm. uh, the way that this book is broken up into all the different POVs and specifically the way that it is recorded uh, through audio with a full cast and yeah. and not just a full cast, but like two really heavy hitters. You know, we've got um, Elizabeth Evans. Shout out Elizabeth Evans. We love you. <laughs> and who else is on there? It's Lauren Fortgang. Oh, okay. It's Lauren Fortgang who did the voice of Alina in Shadow and Bone. So we love, so those are two really big like audiobook heavy hitters and we love having them uh, in our in our lives again. So and they really help along with the the dudes make the characters their own and unique and makes the switching POVs um, I think a little bit easier. I, I don't I don't know. I I'm just kind of speculating because I haven't actually physically read it. No, I I do appreciate it because then I mean nothing against Elizabeth Evans. Throne of Glass is like I'm ready to like get it permanently etched on my body um she's able to go in and out of all the characters in throne of glass um and i guess just be, maybe because it's a heist book it helps having that additional i don't want to say perspective but maybe just like the additional talent either way i'll forever be in awe of voice actors who you can switch they can just you can listen and they they create these character voices i think i i think of cena nielsen immediately off the top of my head where i finished akasif and went right into from blood and ash after that so and, and she narrated both and both nesta and poppy are vastly different and i feel like that happens here in the duology where I'm not listening to Bryce. I'm not uh, Bryce Quinlan. I'm not listening to, to Selena or Lysandra or anybody else from Throne of Glass. Like I'm listening to the characters that we're being exposed to now. Which is fantastic because they are such great characters. I know we said it at the top of the episode too, but they really just leap off the page in a way that uh, Shadow and Bone characters do not. I didn't feel like there was a, where with Shadow and Bone's, there was like this buildup to understand the characters with the exception of the Darkling. Cause he was just like chapter two, what's up? Um, and, and Nikolai Strumhold, but everybody else, you're just like, okay, all right. Kind of just going with it. But like you said, six of crows right away, you wanted to know more. Yeah. You wanted to know more and you, well, I guess I kind of was trying to place it 
in the world because they were talking about like Ravka and I was like, okay, I know where that is. They're talking about the shoe. It's like, all right, well, they're talking about this and that. I was like, okay, all right, well, I, I know all of this. I know how it's playing into it. I, I really like that it's just about a bunch of of kids, you know, there there's politics going on. Obviously, Crooked Kingdom uh, is, is all about politics at the end with the auction. I fucking love that. I love that auction. Oh, that that whole auction scene when everything comes together, it's like, oh, you know, the the you know was that was Schmidt, and then you know you got this, and then the consortium, the Jurda consortium, and 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 Van Eck, and I, I love all of it, and the tide make you know, and it's just all the other Grisha. It's just so good. It's so good. From a timeline-wise, or a timeline perspective, really, I know we said, like, oh, it reminds us of old London slash Amsterdam, but do we also, like, where, do we think it's, like, a future, do, like, a future dystopian steampunk-ish timeline, or do we think this is something from the past? I mean, something that's always good about fantasy in general is that you aren't there isn't a placeholder. You know how sometimes we'll be watching shows, like if we're doing a rewatch and you're like, ooh, that didn't age well. Like, I don't, I, I feel like that's something in fantasy that there is no timeline, but in your head, what would you imagine? Well, Ravka's Russia, right? So if Ravka is Russia and then everything kind of fans out from there, you can kind of put it there. Uh, do I think it's future? Do I think it's dystopia? I don't even think it's present. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I would think it's more of a dystopia type situation, Just, right? But it's not discussed, right? It's no, not it's discussed. not discussed. But I'm just, I'm just asking for you personally, Me like personally, where you place, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I would say it's more of a dystopia. But you know, if anybody else has an opinion, I'd love to hear it. Be really interesting. So, Jess, I know that we talked about it just very briefly, but uh, Matthias, Matthias. Uh, <laughs> he fucking dies, man. Were no. you? Yo, I, I was, I, I go, wait, what's happening? I had to reread it because the whole two books, like the first book, I was like, okay, nobody's dying. And by the second book, I go, okay, nobody's dying. Everyone's, I really just thought it was going to be a happily ever after because the last significant person I can't even say was that significant was Alexi in chapter one in the trilogy so I just thought this was a a, a nice like a nice book like I don't I don't I know that there is hmm, discussions amongst readers that they get upset when everybody lives and there's no death I I mean I was surprised that he died I also was surprised like his death didn't bring anything else to the to the story, you know, where in other books, characters die. I'm going to say this loosely because it's it's semi throne of glass. There are characters who die that move Selena's storyline along. Right. Um, I just don't feel like Mateus dying moves nina's storyline along not to i mean not to my recollection wait i've got something for this 
Okay, please tell me because I was like, wait, what else is it besides like he goes, oh, um, Matthias dies and he's like, there's wolves and he's like, I'm being welcomed home. Oh, I was so happy that in his like death, he's reunited with his dog. That really hit something with me. I was like, yay. <laughs> I was re- I thought that was really sweet and that he wasn't in despair. And then they were like telling him like, you have to let him go. And I think also like Nina was just so upset because here's the person that really got her through this this addiction through her withdrawals i mean even when she was trying to get the the germ part perem she starts trying to like physically hook up with matthias and he's like thank god i gave this to kaz because i would give her anything right now to like just keep her this close to me and like they just finally got to a point because i also remember sending you a reaction video of my devastation of him in the first book where he sets her up and she gets trapped. And I go, no, I was rooting for them. I thought they were in a good place. I just, I'm still new to this whole fantasy YA. So everything's a shock to me. <laughs> uh, so I did a little research on this because uh, Lee Bardugo just released the second book in the King of Scars duology that just came out like last week. That's the one with Nikolai, right? Right. So I want to read that. So that duology is about Nikolai, but do you know who else is featured in that duology? Oh, please tell me Nina. It's Nina. It's not a spoiler. It's like on the cover. It says it's Nina. It's like Nikolai and Nina, like doing their stuff. So that means I get to read that new book and we're going to have another episode maybe. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. And that's, that's Nina and Nikolai and um, his, I don't know, like Ravka life. I I really don't know. Maybe he'll marry her because Alina was stupid and didn't say yes to him. Well, I I learned that. So I want to pass that on to you. I thought you would really like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Matthias dies. Uh, Somebody had to die. You know, I don't think it had to be him. But to, as you said, further the story along. Now we have Nina jumping into this other duology. So her story did continue. Okay. So it, it makes sense in the, like a longer in the long run, run yeah. but in in that immediate moment, if we were reading this live, like when yeah. the book was first released, I would have been like, what the hell was going on? Yeah, exactly. Which also I could not imagine because we do consider this one book and it feels like one long book, honestly. I, I feel bad for the readers who are just, you know, how... This is nice that we get to read it back to back because if you had, a re- if you had read it originally when the first book was published... And then you just sit there. Like this is this is a nice. There's a lot of continuity with it, which I appreciate. We haven't talked about Wylan at all. About Wylan Van Eck, another sweet person that just can't read. Can't, like his and his dad just doesn't love him because he's like my son is stupid. Yeah. And he goes, I and he's like, I tried. It's not like I haven't tried with tutors. I just can't pick it up. But he's but he's smart. He's smart, and it just doesn't come across. Yeah, he's music. He's like music and science and like math and all of that. He just can't read. Yeah, we we love Wylan. Um, Wylan and Jesper, I really love like I know you said romance is like really on the the back burner on this book, but I love this sweet, natural romance between Wylan and Jesper. Yes. And I remember at one point in the book, I, I don't know if I there was a part where I go, oh, I hope they get together. Or I hope something's there. And I wasn't sure if it, there was an intention of writing something there because then I think of um, Throne of Glass, not really a spoiler, spoiler, but of Dorian and Kale. So I didn't know if that was the direction it was going in where um, 
with the sound, I think they did it, but I just can't prove it or whatever. Um, I thought that that's what was going to happen with Wyland and Jesper. And then when you find out later that there's an actual moment, I was so, I was happy for them. I was so happy because like you said, it's sweet, it's nice, and it's, it's pure. It's, it's so organic. And I like also that it wasn't like this honed, this thing that was honed in upon. It is just a natural thing because loving somebody and being attracted to somebody is a natural thing. And it was just integrated so nice and seamlessly into the story. It's, and it, it's great. It's great. And of course, we know Jesper has beautiful dark skin and Wylan has, you know, reddish blonde like curls. He's like the whitest white boy. We love to see it. Um, I I like Wylan. I like I like the the kind of transformation that he goes to goes through. I I like that he kind of gets the fuck you to his dad. It's just love that. Yeah, love that. Even and when Kaz is like you, you know, you're stealing from yourself, right? It's zero money, right? Uh, so good, um, Kaz. I I know we we just need to talk a little bit more about Kaz. Kaz, we love Kaz. Kaz is broken, right? Kaz has PTSD. He used his dead brother's body as a raft. He can't touch skin, but he's a 17-year-old virgin. Is he sexy? Yeah, he's sexy. Why is he sexy? Well, because he... I'm waiting for you. Like, I want to know what you think. What, what's the sexy. answer? Is he sexy? <laughs> um, okay. On the surface, Kaz Brecker is not my type. I don't like fast-talking, scheming gamblers, right? And he's 17. I can't get over the fact that he's 17. That's the thing. It, it feels even read none wrong. of them feel. No, <laughs> no. And he doesn't read 17. In my head, he reads like 24. I don't know. They all do. In, in honesty. And I think that's part of my thing with reading a lot of YA is I've already had to age them up in my head so I could feel like there's, you know, some sort of relatability that they're in their 20s. Yeah. That seems realistic because we at 17... I mean, actually, my first year of college was at 17, so there were a lot of things I probably should have been doing. Well, and okay, okay, you bring up a good point. 17, they are more or less fearless, right? They're a pretty fearless crew. They they can, they get the job done, right? At 17, you are pretty fearless. Like, you have yeah. that, like, live fast, die young type situation. It's when you get older. And I think Pekka kind of speaks to that, too. Pekka said, like, you know, I got old. I got comfortable. I stopped having to fight for it. Uh, I got scared. Like, I let the fear get to me. Like, you know, Kaz and his crew are so young. They don't have that fear yet. They're still hungry. They're still trying to get their goals. Right. And I, and I don't want to say, like, they're excited because clearly it's Ketterdam. How can you be excited about life? But th- there is a a hopefulness that's there. Like you, you have hope still. And I don't say, and I don't want to say that we don't have hope, but on a smaller scale, it's like when people say um, it's easier to teach children different languages instead of adults, like there's, or when you put uh, children in gymnastics for flipping and, you know, for tumbling, because that fear isn't there, you know? And as you get older, it's like, you think of job security and insurance and making sure you're set up long-term and the live fast, die young mentality isn't necessarily there because you're like, Ooh, I, how, you know, just like when you have retrospectives and you're like, how did we do that? You know, because now there's like, I couldn't, I can't do that. You, you think that there's this 
societal hold on certain things you can or cannot do, which is one of the things that I always respect about all your adventures, Laura, is you want to do something, you go for it. And, you know, whether that be skydiving or those crazy swings in Africa or like jumping off a roof into snow, kind of thing. like you're so fearless. And I feel like no matter you age, like we all grow up and we all grow and we're older, but you still have that lightheartedness that you carry with yourself to be free and not let growing up mean growing old. I don't know, man. I don't really think I could scale a ch- chimney in rubber <laughs> shoes while they slowly melted and like burned off my feet. It was like, what, Say that six, now. <laughs> 60 stories? Like, I don't, I could never do that. Oh my God. Inej, what a goddess. Um, Kaz being sexy, Kaz being sexy, the cane, the suits. I like that everyone kind of teases him about his haircut and he's a little bit like insecure about his haircut. I think that's a really cute like detail that isn't talked enough about. Kaz being sexy. Kaz being sexy. When Kaz starts at the top of the slat and fights everybody in the slat as he makes his way to the ground floor in Crooked Kingdom. Do you remember this? Oh my God. And Per Haskell is there. Oh. And oh, it's fantastic. And like Inej is watching, but Kaz can't like have anybody help him because it's his reputation on the line. Oh, it's so good. Well, it's it's his reputation that he created because we learn that he's not obviously he's not born Kaz Brecker. Like we know his his history. He created this alias for himself and this persona um to carry out this this person that he didn't want anybody to know. He didn't want, he wanted to a fresh start because he needed a fresh start for the long, for the end goal of giving it back to Packer Rollins. Brick by brick. And I thought, I I love when at the end of Crooked Kingdom, people are like, okay, but why crows? And he makes a comment. He goes, at first he was like, oh, it's no big deal. But then, you know, crows remember people's faces or things faces and i know this i didn't make the connection until it was said and it reminded me of this time that there was like a crow nest outside my house and a cat got to the nest and ate one of the baby birds and then the crows remembered the cat when the cat came back and started attacking Jesus. this cat. I mean, it was, I was just watching out my window because my cat was also watching out the window. Like, Oh, I don't want that to be me. Um, and you're just what, because then you realize it was, they, they remember, they remember this piece of shit cat who attacked one of their babies. They're like, you attack one of us, you attack all of us. And that cat did not come back. Yeah. The crows, the drags. I mean, we love it. We love to see it. I think it's important that we touch on the TV show that's going to be coming out. Uh, That's the whole reason that we have suffered through Shadow (laughs) and Grown. That's the reason that we are reveling and like just relishing this duology. So let's talk about the TV show and the the cast and what we know so far. Where do you want to start? I want to start with how perfectly cast Kaz Brecker is. Freddie Carter, man, look at those cheekbones. I mean, he, I mean, you know, it's always, we, especially with books, it's always hard to wonder, you know, you have your personal fan cast and then you have the actual fan cast and there could be a lot of things that people don't agree upon, but that's something that you see his picture and you're like, okay, headshot. You got, he couldn't even, he didn't even have to be a good actor. I would have seen that headshot and be like, you got the part. 
Yeah, no, he, he's perfectly cast. I think Ben Barnes as the Darkling is also perfectly cast. Oh, I yeah. mean, oh my God, that man. Really? Do you have to, did you have to go so hard? He looks so good in the like black outfit and just, ugh. Made for that role. Yeah, made, made for there. Based on everything that we've seen on in the trailers that have been released. Very sexy, very exciting. Uh, love to see it. Very happy. I'll be interested to see Alina, like the the actress who plays Alina when her hair goes blonde. Right, right. And, uh, Alina, we know from what has been released, uh, publicly that, um, the story has changed a little bit and Alina will be half shoe. So she will have to have to deal with like the, the like, social like racism about the shoe going on too so that'll be an interesting kind of like aspect to the show that we didn't have in the books and i mean i right now it's really just speculation because we haven't really gotten much dialogue it's just big scenes with a good score that we've seen more or less Shadowfold right looks pretty sick it looks yeah, good that looks good um when the sun summoning powers come through like that looks good Fucking Mal. <sighs> Fucking Mal. I just, I, I don't, I hate the character so much yeah. that I just am not excited about just looking. Now, now my brain is like, God, now I have to look at you too. <laughs> That's why I know. I feel like we're going to be watching the show and we're going to just, it will audibly be shadow and groans. We're like, yeah. Mal. Mal, stop oh, talking. I have choices. become a blade. Shut up. <laughs> No one cares. Nobody cares. No. <laughs> you have nothing to offer anybody. But like, and you know, it, it will be interesting because it, there there is a mesh. We don't know if the show is going to be very close to the books or if it's just the show is inspired by the books. But we do know there is a Kaz Brecker Darkling face off, apparently. Okay. 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 Both of those men in one room. I mean, okay. My first thought is, uh, granted, I just watched Godzilla versus Kong last <laughs> night. My first thought is, he's the fucking Darkling. He will destroy you. Like, what are right. you doing? But my, the second thought is, well, it's Kaz Brecker. Like, I would not underestimate him. So I don't know. We love this. It, it's it's pretty fantastic. I'm stoked. You know, the, the date can't get here fast enough. And I'm going to fucking binge the show. I think it's only eight episodes, too. Yeah. That is a Saturday. That is my Saturday in quarantine. Yeah, it it will be pretty fantastic. Uh, I really also love the casting of Inej. She looks great. I I like that they didn't shy away from the diversity. They really kind of leaned in. Very happy about that. Yeah, I know that people are a little bit upset about the Nina casting, that they wanted a plus-size actress for Nina and that the actress that they chose is not plus-size. That's unfortunate. It is Hollywood, so that it's expected. That sucks. Do better. Do better. Be better. And I'm I'm looking at... I'm looking... I'm going to try to look up pictures of... The actress is Danielle... Gallican, and what's crazy is she's probably considered plus size to Hollywood, but that means nothing to people who are actually plus size because you're like, oh, hey, thanks. So we have a searing burst of light. We're all someone's monster. The making at the heart of the world. Uh, I can't. Ah, uh, 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 Kazakhsha. Yeah. Show me who you are. 
The heart. I love the heart is an arrow is the actual episode title. I'm so happy for you, Laura. I'm stoked. The unsee and no mourners. No mourners, no funerals. Uh, I, I don't want to even go into it because everything's speculation because you have six of crows, which happens after the trilogy. Are, are they supposed to be aligned? Are they like in tandem? Six of crows is, is after. Oh, it would be after. Because Alina is a saint. I, I'm just, I'm really, really excited for Nikolai when he, you know, I already get well, Manina, I'm going to get my Zoya, and then we're going to get Nikolai, and I'll be happy. Very excited about the show. It's coming out soon. So, Jess, what are your, like, final wrap-up thoughts about about all of it? All of it, uh, Shadow and Groans for life. Like, it'll always be Shadow and Groans. That being said, I do understand why it needs to be suffered through so you can have an appreciation. I love the Grisha. I really, I love the Grisha. I do, I think in hindsight, you needed the world building to appreciate Ketterdam the way that it is. Now I'm just excited for the new, the new duology to see if they live up to the, the six of crows hype. I'm, I'm, and I'm also very interested to see how Hollywood either does these books well, or if it's going, if it's going to be a situation where the show is better than the books, where I can only imagine that the show has to be better than shadow and bone. There's a lot to be said, but I like them. I like the, the, the characters. I love the Grisha. They've probably been when I kept reading my favorite parts aside from Nikolai. I go, I even said, I was like, I really like Zoya. She's super sassy. She's so great. Um, And then even with Nina, she was my favorite right off the bat. And they just both happened to be Grisha. But I was like, oh, you know, I do like them. And I, I just, I really appreciated the focus that it wasn't this romance. And I think I, I haven't read a non, I haven't read a book that didn't have some sort of romance component in it. And you've talked about that on previous episodes where there's things called plot with romance and romance with plot. And sometimes you don't even have to have romance in it at all. And I think that that was important to step outside of my comfort zone unknowingly because I went into this blind. Yeah. What about you? I'm trying to think if I told you anything about the books before we started, but I, I don't think I did because I wanted to make sure that the the heist, I don't know. No, the only thing you told me was buy the buy the Six of Crows yeah. jersey, blissfully bookish, because you know you're going to want it after you read it. Yeah. Uh, what did I, what do I think about these books? Uh, Shadow and Groans, obviously that has, that is just <laughs> what it is. It is what it is. And it is that. Uh, do I like these books? Yes, I like these books a lot. I like them a lot better the second time around. Do you consider it a comfort book? Like, are they comfort? You know, we've had conversations of like, who's your comfort character and like those rereads that you kind of go back to because you're like, I just need to be in a good place. Do you consider this one of those or no? No, no. Okay. I, um, I will happily reread this book, but it is not going to be like my top five, like comfort read. Um, right. No, it, it won't be. But uh, I would reread it again. Eas- easily, no problem. Um, and I have no problem recommending these books with the disclaimer that you have to read <laughs> Shadow of Bone first. And I'm sorry about that. I also very much like that the romance is on the back burner here. It's uh-huh. refreshing. It's interesting. It is um, something that should be explored more, I think. Yeah. Like, romance doesn't have to be this be-all, end-all. That being said, when Kaz has his moment with Inej in the bathroom and, and with the arm and the bandage, it's very sexy. It's very, like, tension. I like it a lot. But, that you know, there's <laughs> there's only that one. one right. you, know, you know, that's it. Then it ends. Uh, I would like 
a, a little bit. I would like an epilogue, you know, just to like know how these characters are go are, are doing like in the future. Okay, because I was gonna say we don't know if there is an epilogue or maybe there isn't one because it's still being written about. I don't know. Um, right. And also, I haven't read King of Scars and the the new one that just came out. And I mm-hmm. haven't read. Let me. No, a blanket that I haven't read other Lee Bardugo books in this universe. So I don't know if characters are mentioned in passing, you know, if there's updates or anything. Um, I'm interested. I'm stoked for the show. And I'm glad that I don't have to read Shadow and Bone ever again. I don't think it's necessary. We have the we got the main takeaways. If you don't want to read it, just listen to our podcast episode. On it. <laughs> you get to know the characters that way. So it's, it's very exciting. So I, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you're going to enjoy the show. I know that we will probably binge the show very fast. Oh, yeah. And we'll definitely do a recap, like a sh- like a, an episode surrounding the show specifically. Worry not. Yeah. Um, feel free to follow us on Instagram, Acafe Podcast, A-C-O-F-A-E. We're also both on TikTok. Acafe Laura, A-C-O-F-A-E, Laura, L-A-U-R-A. And Akafe Jessica, we'll be doing giveaways, the more interactions we have. Um, it's really fun. Thanks for joining us and just being a part of this journey. It's, it's nice to have other people to talk to about the things that we love. And I think I could say, I could say that because Laura's always happy that I was reading her stuff. And now it's like this whole shared community and it's, it's nice. <laughs> Also, also disclaimer, disclaimer, I am back in Germany. I'm back in the podcast <laughs> hole. So if the sound is different for any reason, that is because I am no longer in Arizona using my mom's closet as my podcasting location. I like how you're saying like, oh, if the sound sounds different in my podcast hole, you're like, you you mean by better? <laughs> if it's different, if it sounds better. But if it sounds worse, she's still in Arizona, guys. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks. Bye.